guys and gals, welcome to the Oxford Holy Club, a place where we ready ourselves to give an answer for the hope that's in us. We will also try to answer your questions, random questions from the interwebs, and have some fun too. So put some seatbelts on your ears because we're in for a wild ride. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 23 of the Oxford Holy Club podcast. Happy December 11th. Are you enjoying your Tuesday so far? I hope so. I'm very excited. Uh, we have a new guest, longtime listener, first time guest to the show today. His name is Andrew Beckwith. Andrew, how are you today? I am so good. How are you? I'm, well, hey, you might be the first person to actually ask. I, I'm fine. I also now need to go back and listen to all the episodes to make sure that wasn't a lie. <laughs> I'm just too polite. Wow. Um, Andrew and I have known each other now for, wow, how long, Andrew? Have you done the math? Uh, I could probably guess a year, like 2006. It, it's, it's been, I don't want to do the math. Yeah, no, it's been quite a while. Over 10 years, Andrew and I, and another, uh, another guest of the show as well, Lucas Candy, the three of us kind of hung out an awful lot. I think Lucas was the common friend between us. Uh, he was, he was the glue. He was the glue. And then, then you and I met and we removed Lucas from the equation. Yeah. Yeah. It was one of those, like, it was really awkward for a while there trying to get, drop the hints to him, but yep. eventually. Well, and, and I mean, when you give him a ticket to move to Ottawa, right? <laughs> That's, if, if, <laughs> if you can't catch that hint, uh, anyway, and, and they moved, so... Um, and it was it was sad. It was a sad time. Well, it was, but you know what? We were better for it. <laughs> Our friendship, yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, Andrew is the pastor of children and youth ministries at the Lancaster Baptist Church in St. John, New Brunswick. How long have you been there now, Andrew? This is a new a new position for you. Yeah. So it's been eight months now that I've been here. So it's still fresh. I can still get away with saying I'm new. <laughs> nice. That won't last long. And how's it <laughs> how's it going there? It's going very well so far. Uh, you know, it's uh, this is my first uh, position in a pastoral ministry kind of thing, and so it, it uh, lots of things to learn. Um, but I've been having a blast doing it, and uh, really just enjoying uh, getting to know this church and getting to know the kids here and, and different things like that. So, uh, good first eight months. And that's fantastic. I'm glad to hear that. We'll go for another eight. Oh, okay. You're putting a timeline on it. Do, do you think anybody <laughs> at the church listens? Goal. Do you think anybody at the church listens to the goal. podcast? I don't know. Because you know somebody somebody in the office is going to put a little check mark eight months from today and just go, okay, Andrew, yeah. we'll, we'll see you then. <laughs> um. So Andrew, uh, I know lots of information about you, but why don't you uh, why don't you tell us about you know who you are? What uh, what are your what are your likes? What are your dislikes? Are you married? Are you single? Do you have children? Don't you? Why don't you fill us in this time? Okay, here we go. Uh, so I am married for I've been married for oh man six years. I think that's right, and uh, <laughs> and uh, I have a son. He is two years old, just this past November. His name is Oliver. So that's been a very uh, exciting journey for us as we've kind of gotten used to being parents and, and kind of navigating that. I grew up in St. John, so where I'm at now is in St. John at Lancaster. And uh, 
but I had spent the last 10 years in Moncton. So this is kind of, I got to move back home uh, to take on this position. So that's been kind of exciting for me, getting to be back where I grew up and kind of relearning the city and stuff like that. And so that's kind of a bit of a nutshell. And um, now your wife, is she originally from St. John? No, uh, Tiffany is from Moncton. So that was a big deal for her to uh, have to kind of pack up for the first time ever and and move down here. But uh, it's been really good for her as well. And uh, she's been getting used to everything. All right. And a two-year-old, you must not be doing much sleeping. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You just, people tell you, you know get used to it but you just don't believe them until you're in it <laughs> we're, and we're in it <laughs> but it's great great yeah it's one of those things that it everyone tells you that and you're like no my kid's gonna be different and, yeah. and well, I, uh, well everyone used to say like oh things are gonna change and we were like why why do things have to change like you know we're still gonna do all the things we did and enjoy and you just uh, I'm sorry if anybody is like expecting. It's different. Yeah, <laughs> but it's good different. Well, it's I, good different. And I was gonna say, Andrew, would you would you change any of that? No, not at all. No, of course. Uh, if there's things, things that I wish I could do more, uh, yeah, but uh, they're replaced by other uh, really cool things that happen that you don't really expect. Yeah, it's it's cool. Well, for the listener that is expecting, now you know what to expect while you're expecting. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we did it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Andrew, again, thank you for being on the show and uh, looking forward to just kind of going through an episode with you and getting your perspective on some stuff. Um, we're going to start, and I know that you've heard the show before, but I'm going to just treat you as though you hadn't. Uh, so, okay. um, which maybe is true. I'm not actually sure now that I'm thinking about it. Anyway. I could say, say that I have listened to a show. Okay, fantastic. But I'm not going to say I listened to all of them because that's not true. That's all right. Now, for the listener who is intently listening, uh, you may or may not hear the tractor outside that's cleaning the snow out of the parking lot outside my office. So I apologize. <laughs> he waited. He, he waited. He, he was like, oh, yeah, I think Brad's recording now. Well, I was telling Andrew, uh, Andrew, I was saying to you just before we started recording, up until like 10 minutes before we hit record, there were people all around the church cleaning and painting and like my office door was getting painted and, and there was drills going and all this stuff. And I'm like, do these people not know that a podcast is getting recorded at one? Um, of course they didn't. And I didn't want to tell them anyway. Then all of a sudden the place cleared out like at five two. Um, so Andrew, we, um, we do this thing where we scour the internet for the most random quote unquote dumb questions that are out there just to have some fun with them. Uh, do what we would call, you know, a goof. We're going to goof on some questions. Um, and so uh, it actually took, it takes me longer to get four stupid questions than to come up with, um, the actual material, like the stuff that we actually <laughs> want to spend time on anyway. <clears throat> this question comes from Yahoo Answers, and it's, how long does a game of Uno take to finish? Now, the context is this. So I have a friend, and she's she's been playing Uno for like three days now, but another friend told me it should only take like 10 to 15 minutes. 
So this person's question is, how long does a game of Uno take to finish? That's a good question. You know? Such a good question. What, and, and you're my friend that, um, you know, we played, we've played some board games together. We've traveled back and forth um, long ago. It seems like years now, probably because it has been. Um, yeah. to, to play some board games and stuff. So when I saw this question, I thought, Andrew, if anyone knows, Andrew knows the answer to this. <laughs> I just love how um, it just went straight to Yahoo answers for this. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't just go pick up the card deck because everybody owns Uno and uh, just tried to knock out a game real quick. It was, uh, you know what? I'm going to go and... Uh, Ask everybody. Um, you know, I know some games that that can take a couple of days. One, for instance, is Risk. You know, um, mm -hmm. now I play Uno with my kids. Sometimes when we're at the table for supper, we'll bust out Uno and play. And even with my kids, who can, you know, be focused one second and gone the next, I, I've never had a game go over twenty minutes. Yeah, you know what? This may be a critique on Uno that some people might not want to hear, but playing a game of Uno may feel like it takes three days. Oh, no. Andrew, no. <laughs> I just did it. I just put it out there. Uno is not my favorite game. Well, uh, okay. Now, hold that thought just for a second. So there's another game, Andrew, that's very similar to Uno that I just sent an invite out to on on iOS to you and Lucas to play called Crazy Eights. It's very okay. it's very similar. So talk to me about this because you seemed okay to play Crazy Eights, but really seem to be dishing on this whole Uno thing. <laughs> well, so we're gonna compare the two, eh? I guess so. Uh, I, I'm not, so I'm for Crazy Eights and you're for Uno. No, I like I like them both. I'm taking a hard stance uh, in the middle. Okay. Uh, well, okay, so I would say that I don't hate Uno. I think that playing Uno and enjoying Uno is directly related to who you're playing Uno with. Uh, so it's, is so, wait, so, so to enjoy Uno, it's really who you know for Uno. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. Yep. That's, you said it better than I could. All right. Um, my, I will, this is the one thing I will say about Uno. It drives me nuts when I hear people say, Hey, you want to play, Uno?" Uh, yeah. Uh, and then I just instantly, <laughs> I, I just instantly don't want to play. <laughs> you know what? I don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know what? I got it. <laughs> Took a second. Uh, all right. Uh, so how long does a game of Uno take to finish? Uh, should really only be, you know, 10 to 15 minutes. That's even if you like the game, uh, which apparently yeah. there's a, a subsect of um, of the world, which we've just tapped into via Andrew, that yeah. just don't care for it. There's a small group of us. We have a support group. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's awesome. But really, when we get down to it here, maybe this person needs to speak to their friend about why she's in this unending game of Uno. Maybe there's some underlying reasons for that. And uh, maybe they need to get kind of deep and uh, talk about some stuff. Huh. 
I wonder if there's a support group for that. <laughs> Definitely. Well, Andrew, how do you eat a hot dog in a fancy way? If you're a fancy lad, how? <laughs> so easy. Oh, so easy. Okay. Knife and fork. Knife and fork. Done. Wow. You know what? You're right. And I get. You know, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the episode of Seinfeld where not a sponsor. Um, <laughs> where uh, oh man I think it's George eats the sees somebody eating a chocolate bar uh, with a knife and a fork and uh, and he just starts doing that and then uh, he sees somebody eating a donut with a knife and fork and it just really takes off and it just instantly it's fancy okay uh, you know for me I was thinking back to it I was hearkening back to a time in my young adult life I was newly married and my wife was working 12 hour shifts. I was playing video games an awful lot. And, and so I didn't cook meals and to be fancy, I would get a plate. I would, I'd make like three or four hot dogs at a time. That's how many hot dogs I would eat in one sitting. But instead of putting the condiments on each individual one, I would put them all on a plate together and, and then go across them like diagonal patterns with condiments as though this were in fact one like almost like a, a hot dog casserole sort of thing and so it's like uh like fancy design yeah you could like you could get fancy designs you know some patterns uh, emerged certainly uh and and then i hadn't th i hadn't connected the knife and the fork but then you eat it with a knife and a fork yeah Exactly. That makes I'm picturing like when you get like a, and I've never got one of these, but one of those fancy lattes where they make like the leaf oh. out of the milk on the top. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm feel like that's I'm picturing you doing that with ketchup and mustard. Um, no, I'm imagine you've got a big plate of fries in front of you, and you just cover that, going left to right across with ketchup. That's kind of what I did. I will say this. So like more uh, like expression or yeah. what's the one that's like um, just, uh, I don't know, art that uh, well. Darn. Is it expressionism? Expression? Expressionism. I know what you're trying to say and it's... Um, the one with the shape. <laughs> you mean like first grade ge geometric shapes kind of thing? Yeah, that exactly. Uh, first grade art. Like free form uh anyway i will say this 34 years old married two kids all that kind of stuff i still feel fancy when i put pepper on my hot dog because i feel like <laughs> i've i've gone the extra mile to put a little a little da a little garnish of pepper oh uh, that seems like gross to me <laughs> and i like pepper. well you you need to try it tonight cook the family some hot dogs and go we're we're trying something uh, and I don't want to bash hot dogs because I bashed Uno, and I do eat I do eat hot dogs. Um, but I feel like it's not difficult to eat a hot dog in a fancy way. Uh, Get a just pinky purely based on on what a hot dog is. Usually, if you're not standing over the sink eating the hot dog, you're probably pretty fancy for being a hot dog. Was the type of art you were thinking of like interpretive? Uh, I don't know. Okay. Like, um, like, what's Van Gogh? Wow, we're really getting, uh, we're really getting going. Or not Van Gogh. Van Gogh's the guy that did the 
Yes, the what? The stars, the stars, right? I think so. The Starry Night by that? Van Gogh. Yeah. Like you is think? It, of, you think of Picasso? Post-impressionism. Picasso, maybe. Yeah, I'm looking at I'm looking at Van Gogh. He's got pictures of things. Uh, well, like I know Picasso had something called the Blue Period and all that. So maybe this is the Blue Period for hot dogs. I have no sweet clue. Oh man, we're really getting down a trail here, eh? Yes, sir. We really are. So why don't we bring it back, Andrew? What do you think? Uh, sure thing. All right. <laughs> I think both of us would agree, listener, and hopefully hopefully you do by now. There is, in fact, a fancy way to eat a hot dog. I also, in, the last thing I think of is holding up your pinky when you eat it. Um, <laughs> that makes anything fancy. That, that makes everything fancy. Uh, so, Andrew, we've got a listener question, and uh, this I'll read the question, and then we can take some time on it. And I know we both made some notes here. Uh, the question is this. If God calls you to be a minister, but hasn't, so this, this person's writing in the first person. Uh, so if God calls me to be a minister, but hasn't pushed me to work on it anymore, what should I do? Uh, so, so this person is feeling that God has a specific purpose for them to be in what we would call uh, full-time ministry. So as a pastor working in a church, uh, be it with youth or children and families or otherwise, but they, they feel that God isn't pushing them towards that anymore. And so then they're just kind of asking what they should do, which I think is a really interesting question. And you can jump in at any time. I know our notes are in order and I've got a blob and you've got a blob, but you don't need to wait for me um, to, to, well, so go ahead. I am going to kind of, I'm going to kind of wait for you because I see something that I think is going to be a really good segue. Okay. So I'm going to wait till I'm segued. Sure. And then I'm going to really interrupt, like, rudely. I look forward to that. Okay. Well, when I, you know, when I heard this question, I've heard this question uh, from different people in different ways. They feel a call into ministry, but then they, nothing really happens after that initial moment for them or that experience. You know, um, I'm sure you remember, but I remember my own uh, experience where I felt God calling me into ministry. And I also know what happened after that, which has led me to where I am now. And, um, but you know, the term, you know, they want it to, to be in ministry. Well, there's something that I think we should define first is, uh, the fact that there is something called the priesthood of all believers. And, and what that means is, is it's pretty simple. It's a teaching in the church and especially in the Protestant church that everybody, you, me, anyone listening has direct access to God without the need of, you know, without the need of a pastor, without the need of, 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 of someone to kind of mediate the way. Um, we have direct access to God. Um, and, and then each one of us also as Christians, we share in a common responsibility to tell people about Jesus. I think that's as simple as I can put it. We, we can all, we, we don't need someone else. It's just, it's a relationship between us and God. And through that, then we tell others about God. Every single person is called to be a minister. Now, in the church, we use the term minister often to mean a pastor, you know, clergy, someone that is 
that's that's their job but you know jesus himself in matthew 28 19 to 20 says and he's talking to the disciples he says go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son of the holy spirit teaching them to observe all that i have commanded you and behold i am with you always to the end of the age jesus commanded us to go and to tell people about him so whether you work in a garage, whether you are a janitor, whether you are a teacher, whether you are a pastor, um, every single person that, that lifts the name of Jesus and claims him as savior has a responsibility to go out and teach others what, what we know and to tell people about Jesus Christ. So, uh, so I just want to make it clear that no one is exempt from that. Yeah, Andrew. I just really like that. Um, I think it's a really good point, Brad. Uh, and I would say that a lot of people's arguments to that would be that they don't feel uh, qualified to do so or they don't feel comfortable to do so. So what's your answer to those people? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I think if you were to look all through Scripture, God, if you look at who God's called to be the voice boxes and the, and the people that he used, look at the Old Testament and look at the, the New Testament, I mean, when Jesus called his disciples, he didn't call. I don't think one of them of the disciples were quote unquote clergy, were pastors. They were fishermen, right? Like they were the average Joe that had zero training in communicating the gospel. Um, you know, there was a blind man by the road that Jesus gave his sight back to. And when, and, and when people asked him, you know, what happened to you? What, tell me all about this. And, and he didn't know anything. All he said was, all I know is I once was blind and now I see. All he had was the experience that he had with Jesus. He didn't even know it was Jesus at that time. Uh, and so, you know, you can look at all kinds of other people in scripture that wouldn't have what we would say were the qualifications to be called. They weren't the rich. They didn't have the, the, the education. They didn't have all that we think is, is what, what has to happen first. And yet God called them and, and they were obedient. Now, some of them weren't obedient at first. You know, look at Moses. Moses argued with God that he, he couldn't speak. He said he sucked at speaking. He didn't want to do it. And eventually, um, God had to bring in Aaron, Moses' brother, to, to speak for Moses. But th the point is this, is that, um, and it's, a, it's kind of a cliche that, that you hear in the church, is that God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. Um, and, and really what that means is if you, know, if you feel God's called you into something and you don't feel adequate to do it, that's probably a good thing. Um, because, yeah. <laughs> like, really, like, if you feel like you've got it all together, then I sense that might be, and that just my thought is that that could be pride. Um, yeah. I, I have realized in, you know, the years that I've been in ministry, how desperately I need God because there are, there's things that he's called us for that I'm certainly not, you know, um, equipped for, but he, he's equipped me throughout the years to, to deal with, with things that I never thought um, I'd be able to do. Uh, so that's kind of my, that, that's kind of what I would say is, is if you're feeling that you're not qualified or not equipped to do these things, um, you know, God will bring that equipping if you are faithful and obedient to, to follow. Yeah, Andrew. And personally, I really love those moments when I realize that I just did something and I'm just like, there's no way I ever would have been able to do that on my own. And it's just so clear 
uh, that God was there and he was kind of guiding me and walking me through that and giving me what I needed for that moment. Um, and then you kind of look back and you realize, wow, I can't believe, can't believe I just did that. Yeah. Um, and it's so uh, reaffirming when those things happen that God is going to look after us. He's going to be there to get us, you know, help us get those jobs done. Absolutely. Now, I mean, for us, you and I are in full-time quote unquote ministry. We are, we are pastors um, by trade. Can I, sorry, I'm just saying that out loud. I mean, obviously God, God is working through us, right? Yeah. Uh, because, I mean, we could go back to when we first met and the thing, you know, our focuses and things like that. And, uh, know that, uh, for, personally for me, I won't speak completely for you, but I just know that I'm here because God got me here. Um, you know, it wasn't exactly how I thought, but just even saying you're in full-time pastoral ministry, I mean, to me, still, I can't believe that. Uh, believe me, buddy, um, we should sit down sometime and we'll talk. I mean, we should share. It's been it's been a while since we've been able to sit down in person and share the journeys, but it's, it's a wild journey. Um, now, I was saying that to say this. There was, you know, there, there are people that feel that they're called into ministry, like to be pastors by trade, but don't feel that, that they have a place in the church or that the church wants them or, uh, <clears throat> or, you know, that the church has time or things like that. Um, I remember there was someone that's like the head of the church of the Nazarene, one of the six or seven leaders called general superintendents. And he, he told a group of, he told all of us in Atlanta, Canada that met together. He's like, don't wait for your pastors to give you permission. If you feel called to go plant a church in your community, go plant a church. If God's calling you, you go do it. You don't wait. Um, and the only other thing that I think of is this when it, in, in regards to this kind of question is that, you know, God is calling us, but he's also expecting us to, to move forward. If, if we're willing to accept, you know, when I was a teenager and I felt God calling me into ministry, I had the option to either accept that and, and move towards that or to acknowledge that he's speaking to me and ignore it. Um, Interruption. Go ahead. This is where I'm going to jump in. But if you have to finish that sentence, you go ahead. Well, it was just this, that for me, I started looking immediately for opportunities for how I could get involved. I didn't wait for my pastors to ask me to, to be in something. I, I, I wanted to find, you know, okay, so I was a teenager, so I was involved in kids ministry. When I moved away from home, I looked for a church. I looked to get involved with a youth group. I offered myself up as a volunteer because I believe that God called me to something. So for me, it wasn't so much I was, because uh, I didn't, you know, did I always feel God with his thumb on my back pushing me towards stuff? No. But I knew that I had a responsibility as uh, someone that God was calling to, to get involved in the body and to step into positions where I could learn and grow. Uh, so please interrupt. So when I read this question, I just, I instantly kind of just chuckled because we never talked ahead of time about what question you were going to pick or anything like that. And I mean, this is just me in a nutshell. If God calls you or me to be a minister, but hasn't pushed me to work on it anymore, what should I do? And so I'm going to try and tell my story as briefly as possible. Um, and just kind of touch on the important part. But I, I would say that I initially felt called in the ministry in my teens, 
Um, and from there, I kind of went, well, I didn't kind of, I did go. Uh, I went to university and there I kind of got, I got a bachelor of arts and religious studies with the purpose of going into ministry. And from that, I kind of just trailed off a bit and uh, I was in a position that was, you know, I was in a job that wasn't in ministry. It was a secular job. I convinced myself it was, it was okay um, because I was working with uh, youth and I thought, you know what, this is a really important job too. And just because I'm not in youth ministry doesn't mean that I'm not kind of answering that call. Um, but I still, I still kind of felt that call. I still felt God nudging me. Uh, and I was kind of waiting around for him to do something for me. Uh, I saw all kinds of people that I went to school with that had positions in ministry that I felt that I was better qualified for, or, you know, honestly, just jealous. Sure. Um, that I saw these, these people in these jobs. And really, I had no idea what they did or what they went through in order to get where they were. All I saw was the outcome. So I made assumptions that, uh, you know, they're just lucky or uh, God really kind of helped them out to get that job. And so I kind of was just kind of ho-hum, this isn't fair, things like that. And uh, I eventually left this job and I said, you know, I'm going to really, really try hard um, to pursue this called a ministry and uh, I made some phone calls and I talked to, to some people um, but I still don't think that I was uh, doing what I really needed to make it happen and I also feel like that was uh, kind of God working in me and it was through that that I took another position in a, in a church, uh, not a pastoral position but a position in the church and I spent four years there and that was a time of huge, huge growth for me. It wasn't exactly what I wanted, uh, but God really transformed me in those years, uh, kind of changed my perspective on things, gave me experiences that I never would have ever had if I hadn't have done that. And when I finished those four years, or when I was coming to what I felt was the end of that, I said, okay, you know what? I'm done sitting around waiting. God has called me into ministry, and if I need to what I feel is to do all the work that I'm going to do the work to make this happen. And I had to uh, talk to a lot of different people and have different conversations and uh, fill out lots and lots of paperwork and answer questions and go to different interviews in order to uh, just kind of reassure people that I was serious about this. And it was through all those conversations and interviews and filling out uh, different paperwork and things like that, that I was able to get this point where uh, I found a church that was interested in, in calling me and but it was a lot of work and it involved me taking those steps so I didn't just send somebody to my door and say do you want a job uh, which was super super nice for me it was it was a step of faith you know God God put this on my heart that that he's calling me into ministry, but he wasn't going to do the work for me. I had to show him that I wanted this too, and I had to put those that work in to make it happen. And I, again, a lot of personal growth happened in those months where I was talking to people and, and just kind of getting to know myself better and 
and getting comfortable doing things that I wasn't really comfortable doing. And I look back at all of the things that I've done over the last four or five years, and I'm so grateful that I went through all that. But it, it meant that I was five years before I kind of answered this call into ministry. Uh, I personally think it was worth it, and I'm personally glad that I had to work as hard as I had to to make it happen. But when you're in that moment, when, you, when you're thinking, what do I do? What do I do next? Um, it can be tough. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm sure, Andrew, for you in those moments that there were people you probably had in your life that you could go talk to and bounce this stuff off of. I'm assuming, because I, I know that even when you were working in a secular, quote unquote, job, you still had, you know, you, you still attended a, a local church and had a pastor that yeah. you could talk to. Yeah, and so I would say that was a big thing for me is, is getting that affirmation from other people that, you know, you're not, I'm not crazy or, or you know, I'm not wrong. Um, to people to say, oh, yeah, well, I can see that in you or I feel that in you, that, that you're in going in the right direction, that you are called in the ministry. Um, that's a huge thing, and you need those people that you can kind of get to be able to share that stuff with and get real honest feedback from them um, in order to kind of help you on that journey. Absolutely. And I think we would be doing a disservice if we didn't somehow address this. Not everyone is called to be a, a pastor. Um, and, and you know, some people look at youth pastors because I've heard it and, and they'll say, oh, youth pastors, all you guys do is just, you know, play Xbox and eat junk food. That must be, <laughs> that must be nice. And, and there are people that because, you know, they only see that portion of it, maybe they're like, well, I want to do that. You know, maybe they enjoy you working with youth and like, well, I want to do that. But God didn't call them to that. Um, Andrew made a really good point and uh, about having people that, that come alongside and affirm the call in you. People that have walked this path before and have been where we've been. Um, because the last thing that you want to do, um, ministry you know, some people think you only see the pastor on Sunday and that's all that is. Ministry is a very unique, uh, full-time ministry is a very unique job. Um, and it's one that I would say, if you're not called into, d don't do it. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, and not because, Oh, it's so hard. Look at us. It's so rough. Not, not that it's just, it, this is really one of those things that if you're not sure that God's calling you to, um, then, then don't. Um, because I, like, I, I, I wonder sometimes how many people went into ministry thinking it was going to be, you know, something and were so disillusioned with what it was and, and maybe, you know, got hurt and all that when, I, I don't know, I'm not sure if I'm communicating that properly other than to say, um, you really want to, you really, there's, there's a way to do this. Um, so if, if you, you know, if you think that you're feeling a call into ministry, then job or thing one that I would do is start talking with your youth pastor, your pastor. So I'll say two things there. One is talking about, um, you mentioned going into ministry and maybe it's not what you were called into and getting disillusioned. Uh, I think there's also, you, it's so important that you are affirmed in this because it's not just you who that will affect. Absolutely. You know, a church, a church brings you on and they put their trust in you. And if you, are not where you should be, then there's a lot of danger of, you know, a 
bad stuff happening in that church, I guess, is a, is a very easy way to say that. Um, and so you have to be very careful about that. I will also say, in terms of affirmation, for me, uh, being in the Baptist church and in the Baptist convention, that's, those are some of those things that I had to do. I had to meet in front of a board, and they just chatted with me, and they got to know me a little bit, and just I shared my journey and things like that. And from that, um, it's not a job interview. It's nothing like that. They just want to know that, uh, yes, we, we believe that this person is called into ministry. And so that was a really, really uh, great affirmation for me. It was tough to have to do that and put yourself out there. Um, but there basically is, in terms of the Baptist Convention, no better affirmation than going through that. And so um, if there's something like that in whatever... Uh, denomination you're in, then um, it's not easy, but it's a good way to get that affirmation you may need. And, and I think any denomination worth their salt has that. Um, we we have that. I've had to go through similar meetings and similar times when, like, the, the leaders of our, you know, our pastors and our leaders sit down, you sit down around a table and, and they talk to you. They, they and it's, you're, you're right, it's not, it's not a job interview they they want to see are the gifts and graces that that come with this type of thing are those evident do they see that in you do they see the passion do they you know all that kind of stuff um yeah so i want to if it's all right andrew unless you have more on this um no, we, I'm, I'm done all right <laughs> um <clears throat> what should you do if if this is if this is you and you're listening what should you do um Go talk to your pastor. And if you're saying, well, I've talked to my pastor before, then I'm going to encourage you to spend some time in praying in prayer and say, okay, God, you know, um, what is the next step? And, 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 uh, be, because, you know, like Andrew said, maybe it's that you need to get out and do, you know, are you involved? Are, are you involved in a group of some kind and, and things like that? So look for opportunity, look for opportunities to talk to your pastor and um, and remember, listener, if you're like, this is not for me because I'm not going to be a pastor. I want to be a mechanic. The good news is <laughs> we are all called to be ministers of the good news of Jesus Christ. Not one of us is exempt from that. Um, we are all called to share and to teach and make disciples in the nations. Well, all right, ladies and gentlemen, it's now time for our not a sponsor portion of the show, the part of the show where we highlight a product that we feel does it better than anyone else, but they won't support us financially. It's the not a sponsor break. Nobody does it it's confession time, O Club. I spend an awful lot of time on hair care. That may be surprising to you, especially since this is an audio only medium, but I do. I've got naturally wavy and curly hair. And when I want to control it and put it in places, normal gel or pomade will not do. Luckily, in my early 20s, I discovered something called got to be glued. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, got to be glued. This is a styling or spiking glue by Schwarzkopf. You can find it at your local Walmarts, not a sponsor, and any other little store that sells these types of things. 
It is wind tunnel tested. This water resistant spiking glue delivers hold so strong. Your style will last until your next shampoo. Push through your hair to put it in place. Nothing, nothing is moving here. You can use it on damp hair, put a little bit in your palms, rub it through your hair. This thing has changed hair care for me. And in my opinion, nobody does it better at gluing my hair in place than Schwarzkopf got to be glued. Spiking glue, not a sponsor. Well, welcome back, listeners. We're glad that you've stuck with us. We're now going to go into our Wesley question. And Andrew, um, uh, these are, there was 22 questions that John and Charles Wesley and a group of young men would ask each other uh, every time they got together in an accountability group. And they asked these questions to, you know, keep each other accountable, to remind each other of, you know, what is important, what they should be focusing on during the week. And we've been going through each one of them um, and just kind of talking about them. We don't need to answer them personally, but we, we kind of just talk about the question, um, you know, if we think it's important, maybe why we think it's important, uh, if we do. And I mean, we can talk about our own experience with this. So the question that, uh, that they asked each other uh, was this, do I disobey God in anything? Well, there's a question for you. No. <laughs> Moving on. Oh, well, okay, listeners, we're glad that you've chosen to join us this week. Oh, wait, no. <laughs> <laughs> do I disobey God in anything? This is one of those questions that if we, if we said no to, then we just did by lying uh, because we're not perfect. Um, but that's not, that's not an excuse either. You know, Jesus said this uh, in, in John 14. He said, if you love me, you'll obey what I command. Whoever has my commandments and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my father and I too will love him and show myself to him. That's John 14, 15 and John 14, 21. Um, so, you know, when I think of, do I disobey God? There's this whole idea of obedience and disobedience. Um, and to me, I think this is an important question for us to be looking at. And certainly for them when they would meet, uh, because, uh, you know, we need to look at what are our actions? What are our habits? You know, like, a fro okay, so for instance, Andrew, I'm just going to get real. I, I really enjoy video games, you know, and, and I know you? that, yeah, I know that's a surprise to you, but I still really <laughs> enjoy video games, but there have been moments where I've had to check, did I skip my devotion with God because I was super excited to jump on a video game? Hmm. Like, did I, do you know what I mean? Did I, and, and so then I go, okay, did I just, yeah. did I just disobey God? Well, I, I, I can think in my own life. I know that I did in those moments, but what do you think of this question? So I guess when I read it, I read it differently. So I read it as if somebody was asking, is it, is it okay to disobey God in anything? Like, is there any situations where I can disobey God? Well, that's a good question still. Is there? Uh, and so um, my thoughts on that, it, you know, the answer is no. Uh, there's no situation where it's, it's good to disobey God. Uh, but basically, you go back to the very beginning. God created the world. If you didn't know, he created the world. I did know, and, but uh, thanks. He, he, created, uh, he created us. And because of that, uh, God has authority over us. And we know he has authority because when he says stuff, it happens. So when he spoke, the world was made. So we know God has authority over over the world. And uh, whether we like it or not, the person who has authority gets to make the rules. And so that's not to say that I haven't broken those rules 
Um, and it's also not to say that if you do make mistakes, that God can't use that because God can use us even in our disobedience. And I have uh, one of my favorite stories of kind of God using someone in disobedience is actually the story of Jonah. And uh, there's in the first chapter of Jonah, there's two verses. So basically Jonah goes, he runs on the boat, he's going away, and uh, he ends up getting thrown overboard. And all the sailors and the storm stops and the sailors rejoice. And so in uh, chapter 1, verses 15 and 16, it says, Then the sailors picked Jonah up and threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. And I love those two verses because I think of what if Jonah had just done what he was supposed to do? Mm. What if, like those those sailors wouldn't have had that experience, and they wouldn't know God because Jonah would have just gone the way he was supposed to go. And so, to me, that shows that even in our disobedience, God can kind of make something of that, and He can still. Uh, use our mistakes for good and uh, that's it. Well, I had never thought about it like that, Andrew. I'd never thought about that story like that, that what would have happened. That's a, that's really interesting. Uh, I, yeah, I'll flesh that out more, but that's all I got. Well, no, like I, I think it's cool that God can redeem you know, the, the mistakes that we've made. I know and I'm not, I'm not asking you to share anything. I know in my own life, when I think back to the mistakes that I've made, I would never wish them on anyone. But then, I, but then I've, I've seen how God has taken those mistakes and being able to use those uh, in the lives of others to help them. You know, um, I don't want to really go too deep into that right now, but, but I know that I've certainly experienced that myself. Um, and you, you make another really good point too. You know. God created us. He has authority that God, God makes the rules and, uh, and there is no, you know, we are not, we're not called to be disobedient. Um, you know, the, there's another question that goes with this that I think, uh, I, I'm assuming they probably asked if I, I'm assuming, I really don't know if someone around the room that week said, yes, yes, I have. Then the next question in my brain would be why? Mm. So do I disobey God in anything? Okay, if the answer is yes, if you can, if right now you're listening and you're like, yeah, you know what? I did. Why? You, you know, maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's, maybe it's something else. Maybe it's something altogether different, you know, um, kind of looking on the inside and, and finding out what's the root of that disobedience, mm. uh, you know, is, is extremely important. And I think that's probably why they were asking this, because it opens you up if you admit and be honest of, of how you've disobeyed, then you can get to the root of why you disobeyed. And if you can, if you can figure that out of why, then you can start to deal with that. That's just kind of my, just, just my thought, you know, I don't have all the answers. Yeah. Well, I can, I can briefly, I can even go back to my, my last, the last question in my story of, you know, called the ministry and that being really de delayed. I was called to ministry and I was choosing not to do that. I was disobeying God. And really when it comes down to it, I, I wasn't in a place to answer that call at that time. There was, you know, there was a reason why I was disobedient and I had to work through that. Um, so, it's, you know, in retrospect, you can kind of see some of those things and the, the cause of some of those things. 
Listener, I want to leave you with this Bible verse, and it's from Hebrews chapter 3, verses 15. And I think it speaks to this idea of disobedience or, you know, let's use the term maybe rebellion. And it says this, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Now, you can look that up in Hebrews and find out what was going on during that period and what the rebellion is that's being referenced. However, today, right now in this moment, as we're talking and as you're listening, you know, if God, if God is bringing something to you, don't harden your heart and don't, don't allow sin to remain. Let's let that, let's let God forgive that sin. Let's got, let God forgive that shame, remove that shame, and let's move on um, right now in this moment. So Andrew, um, we're going to, we're going to start to kind of wrap up the episode and we're going to just kind of hit you with a couple of very quick last questions, unless you had something else you wanted to go back on with the Wesley question. No, no. All right. Now uh, this is a weird one. Why are there school? (laughs) Now, hold on. There's context in the brackets. It says is a point to it. So here's here, here's the question in its entirety. Um, this comes from a Reddit user, Raz, and it. Uh, so Raz, if you're listening, we're gonna we're gonna tell you why. Uh, why are there school? Is a point to it? Well, first of all, <laughs> school helps us. School helps us to be able to write complete sentences. Yeah. Uh, I think we get there. Yeah, I mean, I think the point of school is it's going to help you to, com- you know, to be able to communicate to others what you're actually thinking and, and you know, it helps you express yourself. Why are there school? Is a point to it? Yep. To help you with your grammar and sentence structure. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just love that. Okay, you're like, okay, you know, people forget forget words and sentences sometimes, but then he, then he has the second sentence and he just messes that one up too. Yep. Two for two. Two for two. Last question is this. Is it okay to boil headphones? Um, the story is, it's a, it's a longer story, so I just kind of want to, you know, shorten it up. The younger brother stole these headphones and started listening to garbage music. Initially, I thought the concern for boiling was over, like, you know, physical dirt and grime that gets in them. Yeah. But no, it was more about the content that had been played <laughs> through the headphones. So is it okay to boil the headphones to in their in their terms remove the evil? I think uh maybe you need to start a new segment where you actually try some of the stuff. So uh we should try and boil some headphones and give a solid answer to this question. Can we start with your brand new AirPods? <laughs> Um, yes. No. Okay. No. Oh, oh, that was a, that was almost a yes. <laughs> you know, can I, can I, can I tell you this, Andrew, cause you're the a new owner of AirPods and I've owned a set for a while. Uh, and I was finding that I would need to clean them every now and then, but I didn't, I didn't have a tool or anything to clean them and, and I'm not going to boil my headphones. Right. So, you know, I, <laughs> So I went home and I'm like, I need something fine that's not going to damage it, but will it can you know deal with getting gunk and stuff off. I know this is gross, listener, but a toothbrush. <laughs> I went and I got a, a oh, okay. I went and got a new toothbrush, and and I just I'll brush that's them out. That you put new in there. Yes, I got a new toothbrush which I've then have never used. I didn't bring it back home. It's in my <laughs> office, and then I went through all my headphones and started cleaning them, and it's been fantastic. Doesn't damage them. 
cleans out the gunk and all that, and then you're good to go, you know? Wow, Brad's tip of the day. Brad's tip of the day? Yeah, okay. Life hack with Brad. Life hack with Brad. Um, use a toothbrush to clean out your headphones. It's safer than boiling. <laughs> safer than boiling. Boiling's about 50-50 about whether they're going to work. Or maybe it's like 100% that they're not going to work. Yeah, I, I mean, th- this person clearly lacks an understanding of how headphones work. And that there's electronics. Is there like a, is there a filter in there that filters the music? So like she, maybe she needs to change the garbage music filter. Take that out. <laughs> yeah, I, I, hey, you know what? There is a filter uh, in your headphones. So maybe, maybe, maybe it's like a car. You got a, a clogged up air filter. You you remove it and put a new one in. Don't. It, um, it doesn't specify what the music is. It just it's garbage music. Well, it did. I'm just not bringing it up. Uh, okay. Because it's garbage music. Because it's garbage music. Why would you bring up garbage music? Then all of our listeners are going to have to go boil their headphones or get a toothbrush. <laughs> well, Andrew, as we start to wrap this up, I'm wondering if you could give us a music recommendation. Okay. Well, I thought about this. And since we're getting into uh, Christmas, I went with the Christmas tune. Uh, and uh, this is... This is a song recommendation. It's not a band recommend. Well, I, I do recommend the band too, but uh, it's Reliant K, and they have a, a Christmas song called I Celebrate the Day. And this isn't like a stereotypical Christmas song because there's no bells in it. And if you listen to it, <laughs> that, <laughs> that's it. That's all you need for it to be Christmassy. Okay. Bells. Bells. Uh, Andrew's tip of the day. And uh, anyways, if you listen to it, <laughs> wow, he's already plowed that one spot over and over again. He just keeps going by. Well, it's snowing at such an alarming rate here that he really has gone over a bunch of places more than once. Oh, it's not. There's not a dust. There's not even a dusting out there. I'm sorry. We kind of hijacked your your recommendation here. It's okay. We'll go, we'll get back to it. Uh, snow's cool though. Um. <laughs> anyways. It's uh, I Celebrate the Day, and the chorus of this song says, and the first time that you opened your eyes, did you realize that you would be my savior? And the first breath that left your lips, did you know that it would change this world forever? And I really like that because it gives you some perspective. A lot of times we think that Jesus was born, and then he was, um, and then he was 12, and then he was 30. Yeah. Right? Um, but uh, he actually was a baby, and... and uh, especially having a child now, any song that has to do with a child, <laughs> it makes me extra emotional. And and so I really just enjoy the song. I enjoy the perspective of uh, Jesus coming into this, onto this earth. And, uh, you know, he was the savior from the beginning, but he was also a, a little baby. And uh, it's just really cool to think about what would have taken place, you know, in all those gaps that we don't really get to hear about. Yeah, I've I've often wondered that, Andrew. Well, thank you. So Reliant K, I Celebrate the Day, available on Spotify, iTunes, anywhere that you find your music. Is that correct? It is correct. Well, thank you, Andrew, for taking the time to spend it with us here on the Oxford Holy Club podcast. And thank you, listener. Without you, we wouldn't have a podcast. Well, we, we would, but would it really matter? 
Um, remember that you can send in your questions to us at OxfordHolyClub at gmail.com. We would love to be able to answer your questions, whether they're funny, serious, or anything in between. And you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at OxfordHolyClub. Remember, if you do use the social medias, to use our hashtag OClub, O-H-C-L-U-B. So until next time, keep spiritually fit and have fun.